Hello and welcome to Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, an hour-long discussion of activity in the financial markets around the world featuring columnist John C. Dvorak and money manager Andrew Horowitz. This conversation is casual and unrehearsed. Let's join John and Andrew now. I'm John C. Dvorak. And I'm Andrew Horowitz. And here we are, uh, last day, last show of June, the 28th, 2002. I know, we're about 12, to be- 2022. 2022 or 12? Yeah, 2002, I wish. <laughs> so anyway, how are you? What's going on? What's new? Nothing, really. Nothing? No. Well, I've got Adam on the uh, working prog- progress uh, pro- project of uh, setting up his roadcaster so that- it's all set, everything's tweaked, and then I'll buy mine and just copy his settings. Yeah, that's what you want. I have the original roadcaster. That's what we use, the original roadcaster, but he didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, he hated that thing. Yeah, he hated it. I understand why. There's definitely some driver issues that are just abysmal, like problem. Like I couldn't right now feed through to you a sound. Uh, from In other words, my computer, well, this has happens to be with, I have to talk to him because this is, a, this is Adobe Audition, which we, we record on. And the problem is it takes over the drivers. It locks them, locks the audio drivers. So I have to route this in a weird way through this ASIO for all drivers and this whole thing. I don't know. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it either. Anyway, you know what you do want to hear about? You want to hear about all the goings on and doings, things that are happening in the world. And we have a lot of them. I think think where we are right now is script flipping, script flipping, flipping. It's almost a tongue twister with two words. Script flipping. Now, what does that mean? Well, seems like every week we're having this happen, but uh, there's an interesting play that's going on right now with regard to prices. And when I talk about prices, I'm talking about inflation and things that are happening. Probably not. Although I, I got I got chicken chicken breast for like two seventy nine a pound, two eighty nine a pound last night. Well, there you go. You're back in business. Back in business. Making my chicken. Making my chicken. I uh, hate chicken. So <laughs> what each, each and every week, you seem to have another reason that things are flipping around. But the pricing that we're seeing right now in areas, which I'm going to just tease up because we have some great charts to go over tonight. But the the possibility of already seeing inflation dissipate, I think, is very, very real. Thoughts? I don't think so. You don't think so. All right. Well, we'll talk about it. Oils are down. A, oils down a bit. No change. It's in up the pump. again. It's up again. It's, it's 111, but uh, 112, something like that. But pump. The pump prices haven't changed. So that's the problem. Yeah, it'll be back. Yeah. And then uh, we have the 10-year Treasury moving down after the Fed rate decisions. Decisions still in a range, and uh, we're going to announce the winner tonight of the latest closest to the pin. For Neo, so uh, we have that going on as well. So markets were up about five to eight percent last week. Remember, it was down five to eight percent the week before, and last week was a short week. So five to eight percent in a matter of like four days, right? Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, that's some pretty nuts. (laughs) It is just like we like it. Remember the old days when we first started the show, or something? I mean, not first started. Every single episode banner. And the picture that represented was always a, a different roller coaster. Roller coaster. <laughs> for yes, exactly. years. 
Yeah, I couldn't find enough pictures of roller coasters. You finally <laughs> took over the art. <laughs> anyway, um, we're coming into the end of the quarter right now. And we know what happens there, right? We see window dressing. We talk about this all the time. We see tape painting. That may have exhausted itself already. Markets were down like 450 points today on the Dow, 3% on the NASDAQ, 2% on the S&P today after things seem to be getting better. And all of a sudden, it craps out. <laughs> Done. You know? So yeah, it's pretty funny to watch. Yeah, it's hysterical. So uh, so many bears out there right now, and it's it's, it's I find it still hard to shorten this negativity. But uh, bond auction that we had today, not so good. There's some talk about international investors stepping back, and particularly what's going on because of the volatility with the yen, and we have the widowmaker trade, which we're going to talk about tonight, and what's happening with the yen mm. at one thirty six, I think it is one thirty six half. God knows where it is now. But that's where it was earlier. So we have pretty much the world saying, oh, my God, we have this terrible inflation. And we need to put uh, clamps on it, aside from pretty much China and Japan. Saying, Japan's saying, the hell with it. We're going to continue to de debase the currency. And uh, there is no inflation that we see, which I find, e even if I, I just find it remarkable that, Japan's been on a negative interest rate, has a peg to their, their bond yields. And with all that's happened, they still can't get any inflation brewing? None? It's going on 25 years. This is ridiculous. The Japanese just don't know. I mean, they're great at, ma at manufacturing. I thought you were going to say making sushi. I was like, uh-oh, here we go. Here we go. Well, the sushi, I don't know. I mean, they, they, yeah, <laughs> of course. I mean, it's what they do is beside the point. <laughs> But they're good at manufacturing. They're good at uh, product design. I think they're good at a lot of stuff. But financially, I don't know. I think they have been one of the biggest bad actors in the entire financial global financial markets for decades. They make a good car. Okay, there you go. So I, I do think that. We had a Russell rebalance last Friday, which means that the Russell indices, the various... Russell 1,000, 3,000, 2,000. The Russell indices had a major recomposition. They had a rebalancing. And there's one wild surprise. I was very surprised. Maybe I shouldn't have been. Which, which you, you, you are interested. You'll be interested in this as well because it's a name that you've talked about. Uh, one wild surprise that moved around. It, it's, it's pretty remarkable. So a couple of things to note. Uh, we got to get our little plug in for monkey pox here and there. The World Health, this is so reminiscent of COVID, but even though we know monkeypox is nowhere near that. But uh, the World Health Organization on Saturday declined to declare the unprecedented monkeypox, or as you're calling it on no agenda, is it MP? MPOX? MPOX. You're calling it MPOX, right? MPX, yeah. MPX, yeah. Which sounds like more like a... Mm, a dirt bike racing something. It sounds like a dirt bike. It also sounds like a, a button you push on a stereo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like the DBX in and out, right? Um, Multiplex. Yep. So the monkeypox outbreak, uh, according to the WHO, the WHO, said that um, it has spread around the world, uh, but yet it's not a public health emergency as of now. So they also dragged their feet on... COVID for months. Who knows if they have another pandemic bond out there they're trying not to pay. We don't know. We don't know. That's what they did during COVID. I would, a monkeypox bond, that would be something. Yeah. 
Absolutely. People go people go ape for it. Oh. <laughs> Meanwhile, in uh in, in in China, there's been all sorts of uh th- there's all sorts of uh craziness going on there with the lockdowns, non-lockdowns, schools open, not open, you know, Macau is a problem, but yet the casinos stay open. They launched the third round of mandatory COVID-19 testing in Macau. Uh, for more than 600,000 of its residents on Monday. But but casinos, while they're deserted, are allowed to stay open. Now, explain this to me. Explain it. Please explain it. How does it make any sense that you have a outbreak, according to them, right, according to the Chinese? I'm not saying it's, a, it's good or bad or a lot or little. But they have an outbreak that is uh, in a COVID-0 uh, uh, area that that the casinos are open. Is that is it, something's wrong with that picture, isn't it? Can people go to the casino? Nobody's basically you're allowed to get on. You're not allowed to get on and off the, the island. Can't even get on the street. Right. So weird. So weird. Maybe they like it because it's pretty. I don't know. Well, you know, today they also announced then that uh, Las Vegas Sands was up. Well, Las Vegas Sands was up because the secondary thing they did was now cut down the quarantine time for international visitors. So they're also reopening schools in Beijing, declared victory with no new local transmission cases, whatever the hell that means. Meanwhile, Shanghai reported no new, no new local cases either, both symptomatic and asymptomatic, for June 24th, the first time uh, since February 23rd. Well, they finally made some test kits that, that just report negative, negative all yeah, the time. Just, Good. Just, it's about time. Just two tips in uh, sailing. Yeah. That's all. Uh, but it's, I think it's pretty interesting, the... The randomness of all this. It's, it's totally random what they're doing. But but I'm starting to think, as you have said, because I was really, I'm like, nah, no, this can't be. But there is maybe something weird going on with them being able to just say, oh, we're closed, and the economy getting weird, right? I think they're playing it pretty well here. So far. But don't you think there's a conspiracy of some sort or maybe not even, a, you know, a conspiracy, an outright absolute um, uh, 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 twisting of economics and the economies and all yeah, that? There's no conspiracy involved. You just do it. Right. But do you think it's possible what I'm saying? Yeah, I do think it's possible. That's bad. I lost a lot of respect for that. Business. Mainly because of the of the fact that we're so dependent on them. Right. And they, they maybe this could be just a test of the dependency. What is the. What are our real weak spots and what are we going to do about it? The Chinese would like to know that. We'd like to know it. Well, do you think this is also a payback for the tariffs? I don't really think so. I don't think the tariffs did that much damage. They didn't do benefit or damage. So what's the point of having them? Yeah, I think that element is in play, yeah. (laughs) Russia. I don't think it was about the, the terrorists. Maybe not. I think but it's I, just I, a, I'm, I'm finding it just. I think it's maybe the saber rattling or the, uh, who knows? I mean, there's something irked the Chinese, but besides the fact that they're getting blamed for COVID in the first place, even though it's our project in their country. Right. Right. Maybe and, that's it. And then China's, you know, playing with Russia. It's fine to deal with them. I mean, just, you know, China was, I thought, coming along to a, even though, even though it was communist, right? We know that, but it was more of a 
it was or, it was it was it was a capitalistic communist type of country, right? Would you agree with that? For a it's long a time? hybrid. It's a hybrid, but they're just becoming dicks. I mean, they used to be communists. Would always be a directed economy, right? You say make twenty thousand of these, make thirty thousand of those. We this we determine that's what's going to sell. And nowadays, it's no, it's still directed, but the direction goes like this: get back to work, make more stuff. Mm. Still directed. But I find them also not playing ball. I mean, they just seem to be, you know, those people that line up together, you know, Russia and Iran and now China and continuation of China and Venezuela. And, you know, you follow what I'm saying? Those countries that always yeah. seem to, they always seem to be sticking together. Sure. On the other side of the, of the, of the democracy. It's, I guess they have to. Well, they have their own ideas. They do. And Russia is one of them. Russia did default on its international bonds for the first time in more yeah, than a century. It's a phony default. I mean, it's not as though they can't pay. They won't right. let them pay. Correct. That is correct. So the Kremlin, which has the money to make the payments, thanks to its, of course, its, its, its continuation of high-priced oil and gas. Did you know I found something out? I want to watch this one of the uh, financial shows. What did you find? Really? They had a guest on it. Do you know that Russia is still paying royalties to Ukraine for as a transit country for the pipeline oil and gas to get the, to get the oil and gas through the country to the various outlets to Europe. Yeah. Huh. And they're still paying royalties to the Ukrainians. They're it, giving them money. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. This whole thing, isn't it? It's just, some of it is really nuts. I, I don't, don't understand any of this. Now, Russia's saying, as you correctly said, that uh, the West is saying, hey, hey, wait a minute, you're not letting us pay. You're not letting us to do transactions. So how the hell is this going to happen? And how am I going to default? So if it does default, it's going to be the first major default on an international bond since the Bolshevik, I just like to say that, Bolshevik revolution more than a century ago. Yeah. Um, and um, so I don't, I don't really understand either what the problem is. Now, here's what's really fascinating about this. All the sanctions... And all the harsh and these, these horrible, uh, the grip that we have as a world, as, as, as everybody else, on Russia and shutting them down and taking their country down. Meanwhile, the Russian ruble, which should be affected, right, hit 52.3 to the dollar last Wednesday, an increase of about 1.3% from the previous day, the highest and strongest level of the, of the ruble since May of 2015. You know, remember when this thing first collapsed and I said, this is the time to invest in the ruble? Yep, you did. I nailed it. What's really interesting is they made some very, very smart moves. One being, hey, if you want our oil and gas or, you know, you're going to have to pay us in rubles. And usually what happened was they weren't paying you, paying dollars. You know, you have to convert and reconvert and convert back and get your money this way and that way and pay it that way. And Russia said, you know what? We don't give a crap. You're going to pay us in rubles. So now what happened was that let's say you're Germany or France. Like, ah, oh, we don't have rubles. We don't we don't carry rubles around. What they had to do was convert their money, therefore strengthening the ruble very significantly. Yeah, good bit. Right? Yeah, it's now very they, funny. They have other things that are helping, like for example, capital control sanctions themselves are helping. Um energy prices, of course, are, are clearly helping, but uh, so, you know, with all that craziness happening, we have the big yuck fest this week with the G7 meetup. You know, another big smiling Joe, a lot of back slapping going on. 
talking about like global hunger is on the agenda. And of course, climate change, which has to be part of every single meeting. And now they're ganging up against China. They have a commitment to the Ukraine, whatever they need. What, you know, they're going, going that route now, you know, yeah. whatever yeah. it takes. <laughs> and, and then they also agreed to ban imports of gold from Russia, which helped gold for about five minutes. It, it, on the open on Sunday night, it, it cranked up really nicely and then just kind of came back down to earth. Um, and, of course, the German uh, government source said that uh, leaders were having a very constructive conversation on a possible price cap on Russian imports. So, wait a minute. Russian imports. So, in other words, they're going to continue importing stuff but put a price cap on it. Now, what if Russia says, no thanks? Crazy, right? It's just, I don't know. It crazy is one way of putting it. It's like it's like living in this in this. Uh, I don't want to say simulation. That's really not. That's that's too obvious. It's like it, it's like living in the upside down. It, it's like looking at this whole thing as if how can all this be possible? Seriously, and it's very disturbing. You want you wonder why there's no confidence in markets right now just look at these freaking leaders they're awful well that's that's a fact i mean they're just absolutely terrible and some of them were you know of course the we have the combination plan of 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 left and right across the board right of various people but they're all just it, it's so clear that politics has taken on such a different meaning in every aspect of the world, and it has has seeped into the financial markets in a way that they're they're out of touch. That's what it is. They're out of touch. Yeah, and I don't see how they're going to get back in touch. Nobody in their right mind would. Nobody that I can't imagine anybody that is of clear head and of good conscience running for an office, political. Local or, listen, I'm on a couple of boards and it's like, wow. Even on a minor board of an organization, it's like, oh. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. what is going on here? The power struggles, the politics. I'm like, what's wrong with you people? Can't we, you know, it's almost like they don't want to get anything done. Well, that could be, that could be the thing right there, what you just said. It could be, because they just like sitting around drinking and smoking. We had on this week... On the Discipline Investor podcast, a Fed insider, Danielle DiMartino Booth, and she worked in the uh, Fed in the, in the Federal Reserve in Texas for many years, and she wrote a book called Fed Up, um, and talking about the inside and the secret goings on, you know, all the different things. And one of the things we got too is the, you know, the secret handshake, back slapping, whiskey drinking, cigar smoking meetings. Now, she, the way she described it, you'll love this. I said, does that happen? Do they go out for like a big, you know, is that how it goes with the whiskey and maybe, I see it, I see it with like a smoke-filled room and all that, darkened, a lot of a lot of uh, wood trim and leather sofas. Can you see what I'm saying? Red argyle carpeting. Can you see this? Yeah. You can imagine what I'm saying, right? That's and, the, that's, there, there's a club in Dallas called the, I think it's called the City Club. I got an invite there once. And they, you just described it. <laughs> and you don't have whiskey served out of a bottle. It's out of a decanter. 
like oh, a fine, of course. of course. And you know, and, and you have single cubes, clear ice, either, either a cube or. Oh or yeah. The, the famous, you know how to do that, right? You know, I, it's something about cooling it to a certain point or heating it up or using hot water or something. There's about three uh, YouTube videos on how to do this. And, uh, and you have to make a big kind of a block of it. And then you have to cut it into the cubes after the fact. Um, I watched those videos cause I always thought it was fascinating cause a lot of high end bars will have these clear ice cubes. They're very pretty. Uh, but it's like, it's a bit much. It seems to me. Yeah. I would agree. You know, I mean, there's a pretense there that is inexplicable. Right. Yep. But, but you should do it anyway. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, so in this world of that, but she you know what she said? No, no, no. It's not that. What it is, is at five to 11, all these high muckety muck fed guys and gals race over to the elevator to get down to the official, call it the cafeteria, lunchroom that opens at 11. And they sit there for two hours eating and doing and talking about their models and their theories and yucking up for two hours every day. Hmm. Amazing, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so how was she as a guest? She sounds interesting. Great. I, go was, listen. I haven't heard that. Yeah, she's, my, she's been on two or three times. She's very, very good. She, 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 she lets the secrets go. This week's uh, Discipline Investor Podcast, she, she, she lets, um, she talks about things that are real. And actually she talked about the Fed probability of a Fed mistake, a, a, a policy error. Pretty much at 100%. Talked about how there's blood in the streets, but not with equ well, equities too, but other areas. And she mentioned all those and talked about those and, and, mm. and talked about how the Fed, what the Fed needs to do. Very interesting conversation. Very interesting. I'll yeah. pull it up immediately. Yep. Yep. Um, from the, whew, wow, I was worried about this. Ratings agency Moody on Friday affirmed the United States star rating at their credit rating at triple A. Citing the country's emergence from the pandemic stock with exceptional economic strength. Right. Now, let me ask yeah. you a question, John. Let's just pretend that John is an institution. We're talking about John C. Dvorak Incorporated, okay? Sure. And, and we're looking at John C. Dvorak Incorporated and John C. Dvorak for many years making good money. He decides, you know, we're going to expand the business. What we're going to do is we're going to issue some bonds. Not a lot, just a few bonds. We're going to issue some bonds. And we're going to do that so that we can expand, uh, you know, our widget creation and manufacturing and marketing of that. And he issues some bonds. Not a big deal. Not a big deal in, in a percentage of what the total overall revenue slash assets are that, that John C. Dvorak Inc. has. And John C. Dvorak pays his bills on time. He's got a really good credit rating. You know, go to Credit Karma, wherever you're going. Good rating. We're going to call him a AAA. Now, a number of years pass and you're pretty much doing the same thing that you've done. But now you've taken that debt and you got five times the debt that you had before, which is now five times your actual revenue and your cost to cover it is, you know, there, but it's a lot less. You don't have the revenue to cover it anymore. Your profitability is down substantially. And, you know, the possibility of a, of a slowdown would really be difficult, especially if interest rates went up, you'd have a hard time paying it. Do we yeah. continue to rate John C. Dvorak, Inc. a triple A at that point? Or maybe? Well, you shouldn't, but you probably will. You, you probably will. Then you go a few more years and something happens. John 
has a car accident. God forbid he has a car accident. And he doesn't work for a while. And all of a sudden, you know, revenue, things get weird. And he goes to the bank and says, listen, I need to cover a year's worth of revenue. And they somehow loan this to you. Now you have this incredible amount of debt outstanding. You're doing what you can just to figure out how to cut this expense, cut that expense to pay this off. Do we keep your rating the same? Oh, probably. <laughs> Why would we probably? When do we actually see the cut? Uh, after bankruptcy. Yeah, well, that's what they do. In receivership. That, that's During a- receivership as the company's still going, but in receivership. Yeah, they probably cut then. The reason is the triple A is, is going to be the way you have to play this because if you drop the United, especially in times like this, if you drop that triple A rating down even slightly, that changes the whole dynamic of who can buy your bonds. People not, not only by, by order of maybe a um, uh, uh, policy requirement of who could buy your bonds, but who will buy your bonds, which is a little bit different, right? And all of a sudden your interest rates and your payment goes up dramatically and that tilts everything on its, on its axis really hard. There's no way that Moody's can can actually do that. Now, if they did also, the United States may say, you know what, Moody's, you can't rate us anymore. They can do that. They did that once before with with uh, one of the ratings companies. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. So the outlook is stable. They would never do it. No. So resilient. All right. Let's talk about deflation, something we started at the top of the hour talking about are we seeing a deflationary spiral? So there's three charts there. The first one says deflationary equals agriculture. See that one? Yeah. Corn. In part of this basket that we're talking about, I'm just giving you the top piece, piece of this. Corn, 13.97%. Soybeans, 13%. Sugar, 11%. Coffee, 11%. Cattle, 11%. Cocoa, 10.18. Let's look at this chart. It's I think the wrong label on there, but click that chart. So this fund has all these commodities. It's gone from 23 in uh, the start of, uh, let's call it the start of June, or mid-May, right? Was it mid-May? It's mid-May. To yeah. 20 now. So we're talking about, uh, what is that, 10, 15, we'll call it 15% drop? Yeah. So we're close to where we were in February of 2022, uh, where that entire massive move from you know 20 up to 23, which is again a big move, was freaking everybody out with the cost of food and corn and with the problem with wheat. Uh, exports from from uh, from 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 the uh, Ukraine and also oh my God, the cost of fertilizer because we get that from Belarus and China. Blah 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 blah. blah. All this was going on right, potash and all. And here we are in a situation where okay, well uh, let's come back pretty good here, but nobody seems to care too much now the next one is pretty interesting let's look at base metals well it looks it looks like a it looks like a net gain to me based on this pattern but okay oh i got i don't i don't have the base metals i put the wrong thing on here yeah the metals are more interesting yeah so here's our fall from our high you go through this yeah nickel minus it's 50 percent off mm-hmm. luminous 36 natural gas which isn't a metal uh, we'll see what else. So zinc is down 22%. Copper has actually gone up today, but it's down 21%. Copper may be making a, a run at it. Um, iron ore. But again, what was the previous lows? 
Well, the previous yeah. lowest, I mean, uh, for, 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 for oil, it was a negative $40 a barrel. So it's a much higher. Than <laughs> Zero. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, I don't count that. It's an outlier. Right. But still, we're seeing, let's say, uh, some of the top things. Nickel, aluminum, copper down an average of what? What is that average? 30% right there? Those three? Yeah. At least. So so that, that whole idea of runaway and rampant inflation is coming to, I think, a little bit of a, uh, there's a question mark here. Now, Michael Burry, who uh, is, goes by Cassandra on Twitter, and he has a, he's a strange dude. He's the one that was the, the story about the, the big short was about, his big bet on the housing market. You ever saw that? Movie? Right. Yeah. It's a good Interesting movie. fellow. Uh, he has a Twitter account with a lot of followers, follows no one, no one, and he deletes his tweets like a day later. It's like he's like the Snapchat of Twitter. I don't know why. I don't really understand it. Why he deletes him? He doesn't want anything to be used against him. But still, so you get to take a copy of it. You know, there's there's places that can. There's plenty of places that there's probably mirror accounts that can grab that stuff. Yeah, if you wanted to. So the supply, he says in a, in, in a tweet, the supply glut at retail is the bullwhip effect. Google it. Worth understanding for your investing endeavors. Deflationary pulses from this. Deflationary disinflation in CPI later this year. Fed reverses itself on rates and quantitative tightening. So what he's referring to is this bullwhip effect, which is um, where retailers holding on too much of inventory. And the theory is that they'll eventually have to drop prices down to basically re- relieve themselves of the goods they have stockpiled. We talked about this a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. So he's probably listening yep. to the show. Uh, another, another, somebody else listening to the show and stealing our stuff. Now, we didn't say the bullwhip. Well, that probably happens all the time. But so after we did that show, I went and made a point of going to Target to oh. see what the hell is going on. And? Nothing. What do you mean? No No deals? No, maybe no deals at all. And the selection they had stunk. So the selection was, has been deteriorating because they've lost a good buyers or I don't know what's wrong with target, but it's got none of that kind of, it used to like say 10 years ago, had kind of a Frenchy flair. It was a lot of well-designed things and it wasn't anything but, but pedestrian, but now it's all, and they used to have some brand name designers doing toasters and things. And those people are all gone. I think it's a disaster. I couldn't, I didn't buy anything there. What I bought, what did I buy? I did buy something like a yogurt or something. I think they didn't buy anything. It was ridiculous. So price is and not good. Don't have a not good. Nothing good. Nothing good. Not, no clothes weren't good. Uh, housewares, nothing. There's not, no, I didn't see any inventory dumping at all. I just huh. found that the, it was a scam. Well, it was they, a scam to go into Target. You know, it is possible that maybe. No, I don't know. I mean, you would assume that they have a distribution, an even distribution of the products that they have too much inventory of. of. Some of it was appliances, I heard, though. It was definitely a lot. I looked of, around, believe me. Barbecues? I mean, I may have, barbecues. I mean, there's a biggest section. Maybe maybe some TVs are on sale. I didn't see anything. Hmm. And I, you know, I it, and the store is, just doesn't have the life to it that it once had. I just really find it a dis. I find the whole experience a disappointment. Now, have you been to Walmart lately? Is it? Is it- no. Well, what you need to go there now, and you need to tell us the differential. Yeah. Okay, I'll go to Walmart. Do that. One Hayward, I can go right. to. So, um, more things happening in the world. The banks, the largest. You another surprise for you. If Moody's 
giving a triple A rating to to the U.S. again, which I don't think this should be actually lowered yet. But if that doesn't surprise you, how that will continue on. Well, banks passing their tests again. The largest U.S. banks last Thursday easily cleared the U.S. Federal Reserve's annual health check in a vote of confidence for the sector amid signs the U.S. economy could be into a recession in the months ahead. Now, uh, as long as Wells Fargo is not on that list. Well, Wells Fargo is not only on that list, but they are yet. Not only that, though, their stock was up the most of all the names because pretty much they were out of the doghouse. I guess so. They were up 8% on this news. And uh, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, and Goldman Sachs all increased their dividends. J.P. Morgan and um, Citigroup did not. So they 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 cleared the hurdle, and uh, you know once they get the thumbs up from this, they get to um, give back money to shareholders. They don't have to hold as much. They do it through the share buybacks which some of them could be announcing. And I would think that maybe with J.P. Morgan's earnings, I think coming up on the 14th of July, they may be held back. That would be a smart play, actually. If they see some things in the future that's, yeah, you know, this and that, things aren't so good, uh, our earnings, we think there will be a tight squeeze on maybe some of our trading, fixed income, et cetera. But we're going to do a $3 billion stock buyback. All right. You know, who knows? We'll see that, I bet. Uh, Hepatitis. Now we move from one thing right to the other. See that 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 see how that all works together. Banks kind of the same thing. Yeah, banks into stomach aches. Over a hundred cases of gastrointestinal illness has been reported in the Grand Canyon, with cases cropping up among visitors in the Colorado River and backcountry campers. And then also, there's a weird situation going on with hepatitis with kids. Over nine hundred kids infected, and nobody knows the cause. And North Korea has a mystery stomach ailment outbreak. Now, I know there's going to be a tie-in somehow here to the vaccine. You know there's going to be. Two years later, has everybody's it, going has to has vaccine written all over it when you have the no one knows the cause. Right. You know it's going to be, you know, how many of them were vaccinated? I mean, North Korea is not, so that's a different story. North Korea is giving people these crazy things to try to kill the fever, as they call it there. So... I don't know what's happening, but just stay clear of the Grand Canyon. I was there not too long ago, actually, but uh, we don't want to get this hepatitis. We're okay. Yeah. Now, a follow-up from a former story. A sad story, but uh, something we need to uh, talk about because I screw up the name every time. The body of software entrepreneur John McAfee. Did I say it right that time? McAfee? Nailed it. Yep. Uh, Remained, I always call him McAfee. I don't know why. McAfee. Remains in a Spanish morgue after a year of his death as a legal case lodged by his family demand further checks is yet to be resolved. So what the family is doing is saying, you know what? You said it was suicide. Yeah, we want an autopsy. And we want to know that it wasn't suicide. So they won't let the body be removed. They won't allow, they won't, it won't, the, the, the court cases are, are, are not allowing essentially the body to be removed from the Spanish morgue until all the appeals are over. And um, they want them basically pressuring them to remove this suicide on, on the uh, cause of death. Yeah, I think there must be some f- uh, fiduciary reason, I'm guessing. I wonder if he took out insurance. It has hmm. something to do with the insurance. There's a suicide clause that in insurance. You know about that? Yeah, I think so. It's only two years. 
What does that mean? So if you take out an insurance policy and two years passed, it doesn't. You could, you could kill yourself and get the money. Oh well, his, I'm sure his insurance policy is long past Who two knows? years. Maybe he took out a million dollar policy, and the family's like, we don't need. Yeah, to it was almost a billionaire for a while. That's true. That is true. Yes. Yep. How much money do they need? <laughs> well, speaking about big money, I mean big, big, big money. Ken Griffin, who is uh, the founder of Citadel. You know, those uh, crazy uh, day trade or not day traders, uh, high-frequency high traders, the guys that a lot of stuff flows through on a regular basis, moving his headquarters to Miami, leaving Chicago. Decided that the city's crime rate is too high and voiced frustration with political leadership in Illinois. How, how's that? He's just, he's just figuring this out? No, somebody finally showed, look at the kind of money you save on your personal income tax, oh. you dummy. Yeah. <laughs> The relocation will affect both hedge funds, Citadel, and Citadel Securities, the market-making business. Um, it's the first major step into a multi-year process that will involve the firm building a new office in Miami, which will serve as its global headquarters. Hmm. Where's the Where's the global headquarters for DH Unplugged? DH Unplugged's global headquarters in, is in Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale, with satellite offices, of course. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you should become a Florida resident. You can save some taxes, too. I know. Tell me about it. From all the donations that we get. They're just a uh, little light <laughs> these days. A little light. I might tell you. People don't like the show. They don't? That's my. That's the only thing I can conclude. I mean, some people give, but it's it's like, you know, for a while we got, I don't know what we were doing. We were hotter. We were on. We were, I don't know what it was. Maybe it when was. When the market is, but it's a bull market, everyone's uh, happy. That could be. Well, you Even be though happy. they probably listen more in a down market, that's the old rules. Like especially anything financial yep. in a down market, they don't want to contribute anything, but they'll be glad to listen because they're looking for some way out. Right. Well, listen, I would think I'm sure our numbers are higher. So sure they are. Their numbers are higher, actually. Um, so I saw something a couple of weeks or yeah, a couple of weeks back. I will share with you right now. It's a great time to talk about the fact that you can, my friends. Help out the show. You could be a part of the show. You can you could basically say with with your wallet, you know what? Hey, thank you, John and Andrew, for putting the time in each and every week. Each and every week. You know, John is I don't even think John knows this, but I'm gonna tell you something. You probably surmise this, and you know this because I know what you do also with your two days a week, but my schedule with time off and things of that nature revolve around this particular show. Because it's live. Like, for example, I'm going away this week, this weekend, but I will be back for the show, but leaving the next day to go to the rest of my vacation. Seriously. Can you do the show on the road? Nope. I, got, I like my setup here. I used to be able to do it, but it doesn't sound as good. Plus, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. I got the whole, a lot of screens in the studio, you know, all the stuff. Yeah, he's it like command center. And I am not... And Adam Curry, where he could basically be hanging upside down in a sauna doing the show. He's, he's kind of a podcast savant. Twice that I know of. <laughs> yep. Uh, Japan is issuing warnings for, uh, for energy use. It may have to shut down power to some areas if people don't cut back. Germany, <laughs> Germany triggers the gas alarm stage, which is a, a stage and, you know, it's the, 
you know, like a parent counting, you know, oh, I'm going to give you to three. One, <laughs> two, three, four, five, you know that. Uh, Germany is now triggering the gas alarm stage potential for gas rationing and plenty of other areas having trouble with supply as well. So crazy things going on. Crazy things going on. But we do have, as I mentioned, you can give to the show. Go over to DH Unplugged. Click on the little yellow button. We made yellow for you because it's one of those, 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 those colors that is very uh, inviting. Go over there and uh, please, uh, seriously, take a moment. Just take, put the pause button on. If you have your phone on, you pick up the phone. Go over to DHUnplugged.com. It'll pop right up and donate. Now, more money-saving ideas. Amazon plans to hold a second shopping event for Prime members this year. So we're going from the Amazon Prime Day, they're going to have like an Amazon Prime 2 Day or an Amazon yeah. Prime Plus Day or something like that. The first time Amazon will hold their shopping events exclusively for Prime members in the same year as it uh, the company is uh, gearing up. So it's pretty cool. First one's going to be July 12th and Have 13th. you ever bought anything on this special day? You know, I've tried. I go to the front page of the specials and I see something like, oh, uh, hangers. I don't think so. Oh, look at that. Oh, a light up dog collar. Uh, I don't have a dog, but that's kind of cool, that one. You know what I mean? Or, you know, uh, if, you know, they, they have like, you know, uh, matching plates and, and, and saucers and teacups on sale from $30 down to like five. I'm like, I still don't want them. I don't, you know? But I think, I think once about five years I, ago, I bought something. I bought something. Which just coincidentally was something I was gonna buy anyway. Yeah, I think I've bought something. I have bought something. Somebody said you gotta buy this right now. It's a great deal on Amazon. I think it was something for the boat. It was like really good deal. Uh, the Widowmaker trade. We talked about this a little bit. The bet is simple: that the Bank of Japan, under growing pressure to stabilize the yen, as it sinks to a twenty-four year. Did you say stinks? Low. I did. It stinks to it stinks like all hell. It stinks like bad and rotten sushi to a 24-year low. They're thinking, well, the Bank of Japan's going to have to abandon its 0.25% cap on benchmark bond yields and let them soar because, you know, everywhere around the world, U.S., Canada, Europe, everybody else is doing this in the developing world. Yep. And in Tokyo's financial circles, the trade where you're going to think about, you know, the yen going the other way finally is, is well known as the widowmaker as it's done nothing but saddle young cocksure, that's the word, cocksure investors from London to New York with crippling losses over the past two decades. But yeah. they're, they're trying once again. They're lining up. This time is going to be different. Well, that's because everyone's expecting, you know, they're wishful thinking. I mean, at some point you got to give up on it. But but I still think that this whole debasement of their currency. And, and, and this is just messing with other well, markets. They started it themselves. You remember this? I do remember this. When they first started, they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start lowering our the value of our yen so we can ha have an advantage on the export market. And we can sell more Toyotas. And so they started doing it. And we then it was even. And we started inching up and inching them. Now we're 30% over. I don't think they wanted to go this far, but they're the ones who started it. They can't. Corona won't stop. And then, you know, we have what happened to the old, you know, now they think about it. Where is the envelope in the pocket of the Treasury Secretary saying, you know, we're thinking about calling them a currency manipulator? Because if this is a currency manipulation, what is? Well, I don't think that they're doing it overtly. What? Are I you, can't... what? Well, you just said they were. You no, just... I said they, they started it. 
yeah, but overtly, but I think it, they lost control. Well, the problem is they have the price cap or the, or the in, in, uh, interest rate cap on, on this. And how they do that is that they have to sell the yen down. This is what they're doing. They're selling the yen. They're selling it. They're taking it down. It's terrible. I understand. The Widowmaker. And we're going to end this uh, area right now here with uh, with uh, with uh, big news. Big, big, big news. The Russell 1000 has, well, it's actually, uh, it's, the, it's the value portion. There's a growth portion. They break up. They look at the stocks within this index and they say, okay, Stocks that meet the uh, under this price to earnings ratio or over this uh, and maybe growth factors and a variety of other factors will be in the growth if they're above it and if they're below it, their value. That's a very, very basic and not exact look at what they're doing. But just take that as a point, okay? Sure. And companies usually that are in the growth segment or your technology, your fast-growing, your companies that are biotech, that, you know, names like consumer discretionary to a description to a degree as well. In the value side, you have your energies, your financials, you know, your cash cows, your, your companies that nobody's expecting anything big out of, but yet, a lot safer in theory, right? Lots of opportunity. You know, you want to, who said it, that when I die, I want to come, if, I, if, if re, reincarnation is real, when I die, I want to come back as a bank. Because you can't do any can't wrong. Can't go wrong, that's can't for go sure. Wrong. So when you look at the largest positions in the Russell 1000 value ETF, it goes like this. Tell me, remember the game, uh, one of these things just doesn't belong? Remember that whole thing? Tell me what doesn't yeah. belong from this list, okay? Five names on the side of value. Old, stodgy earners of just something that's money's going to come in no matter what happens. Okay, ready? Yeah. I'll give it Berkshire Hathaway, Johnson & Johnson, ExxonMobil, J.P. Morgan, and Meta or Facebook. I could almost argue there's two on here. You're going to say Johnson? Yeah, it would be the second one. Right. But the obvious one is Meta. Right. What the hell is that doing on there? Facebook is the number five position now after its drop dramatically and its loss of earnings momentum and everything else that goes along with it. It has dropped into with this recent reconstitution, rebalancing into the value side. That is, that's embarrassing. That is, that is the equivalent of, 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 uh, it's like a young guy in their twenties relegated to the senior PGA tour. <laughs> Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Having to drive an old Chevy Impala. Right. You know, it's just, the, um, there's, that's, I think on the surface, that analysis is correct, but I think there's something else going on here. They know that this thing is a ridiculously cheap stock and it's, it's a growth stock by any stretch of the imagination. And it's a way to propping up the whole, the whole ETF. So you think just to restate this for people in the, in the back seats, you're saying that this is meant to be a way to really supercharge this ETF that generally speaking, doesn't have a lot of growth, but since it's not hitting its marks, it kind of looks and feels like it. Let's throw it in there. To, to juice it. Yeah. Mm. It's like, remember years and years and years ago, uh, everybody put Cisco. You, you know, it's an, it, you know, you had, they'd have 25 different, not ETFs, but mutual funds. 
And they, every one of them with the growth fund, the value fund, the, the money fund, this fund, that fund, all the funds. And they all had the same stocks in them. And Cisco always reminds me, it was always Cisco was in there because it was in a, it, during its era, you know, before Huawei showed up. It was a kick-ass stock. But yeah, so I think this is a scam. Hmm. That's interesting. Scam. Hmm. Well, they're reminding <laughs> me. They're reminding me on. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find this here now. Let's see if I can find this. Uh, let's see. Here, somebody's reminding me that we have to look at the uh, the uh, millennials versus the uh, old codgers portfolio. Let's see. Where we are now. We again. We 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 uh, change this around. This is fantastic. We change this on January twentieth, two thousand twenty-one. You want to know what the difference is now? Today, millennials are down 3.5%. Old codgers down 1%. Oh. Since inception, millennials down 32%. Old codgers down 0.87. How the tables do turn, young fellas. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. They think they know everything. They think they know everything. You know, there was a great... I don't know if it's a meme. We'll call it a meme, though, but more of a, a, a experiment done. Did you see the bicycle with the split wheels? Yet, no. Somebody took a. Somebody took a bicycle. They took the back wheel, cut it in half, and extended out the back axle longer, and then made it so that only a half of the bicycle wheel with the rubber would be on the road, and then the other one behind it would come around. Right, so you. Basically took one wheel, made it two to improve the bicycle. And that's what they're saying that a lot of these founders and new companies in, in financial technology do. There's a problem that doesn't need solving. <laughs> fixing something that doesn't need fixing. And they yeah. create this thing. It's like, oh, my, look at that. Oh, my God, look how wonderful it is. Meanwhile, it's the stupidest thing ever. You know? There's a lot of that. A lot of that. All right, we have a big announcement. Uh, winner of the Close to the Pin for NEO. Uh, final price was $24.08. The average entry overall was $18.74, so pretty far away Yeah, by most. Right. But the winner, Simon L. from Germany, by the way. Another Deutschlander. Yep. Mm -hmm. Winner, he was uh, 26 cents away with 1% uh, differential. So we're going to be sending him a one-of-a-kind DH Unplugged shirt all the way through somebody in the U.S. that's going to schlep it to him in Germany because we're not sending it to Germany. Um, and uh, we're going to uh, send that out to him as well as put him into the uh, runnings for the Close to the Pin Cup, which is at the end of the year, which, by the way, we're, we're, we're halfway there already. What the hell? Stuff goes too fast. Way too fast. Yeah. Way too fast. All right, you ready? Uh, you're going to talk about crypto limericks? No, nope, we don't have any. I'm going right to the game. This is a okay. game that we play. It's not a solicitation to buy or sell any security. It's not a recommendation of any kind. Nothing on the show should be considered investment advice or a recommendation. If you choose to invest in any of the stocks mentioned, you should know that it may carry risk, along with the risk of a loss of principal. You should also seek out professional financial advice for your particular situation. We assume no risk as these are not to be considered recommendations. Horowitz, a company, myself, or John C. Dvorak may invest in any of the securities mentioned, and we'll disclose that on the website under the weekly stock picks section. You can go to dhunplugged.com and see all the names we discussed in the segment, along with the performance information from the date discussed, as well as any additional important disclosures. I want to tell you, I'm pissed off about Revlon. 
Oh, because you missed it? Well, because Revlon, we got in at $7.99, and that thing was all over the place, and I knew that was going to be a short, and we got kicked out at $9.59, which was 20%, okay? Currently trading at $5.53. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, annoying. That happens once in a while. Oh, so annoying. We had the right idea. Yeah, so annoying. So annoying. What else is doing well here? Trade Health is doing pretty good. Energy Select uh, short up 18%. The short for energy is up 18% for two weeks. Yeah, that, that was a good one. Your NVIDIA doing well on the uh, on the uh, long side, up about 7%, which is pretty good right now, considering all that's going on. Microsoft down 3%. Uh, anything on here you love that's like, wow, that's pretty good or... Well, I mean, besides the old classics, I mean, Kellogg's I'm kind of impressed with. Um, how about... You, put, uh, you know I, what? You at, put Meta on there, and I didn't put the price that you bought it at. Hmm. I got to look that up. Yeah, something's amiss. Um, I think it was at 159 Okay, well... Uh, I want to uh, add Warby Parker. What is the symbol on that? Uh, War, is it WP? W-A-R-R-B-B or something like that, or W-A... Let's, let's take a look. Warby Parker stock. You get two glasses for one. It's symbol is, I don't know. Uh, W-R-B-Y. W-R-B-Y. W-R-B-Y, that's right. W -R like Arby's. W -R well, what do you like about Warby Parker? Did you get your glasses from them? No. Oh. Uh, I got sold a bill of goods by somebody on CNBC. And a couple of things. One, it is uh, down 70%, 70 plus percent from its uh, IPO. Uh-huh. So it's a bargain for people like the bottom feed. And it, it does appear to be a buyout candidate for some of these companies that are trying to boost their bottom. Uh, it, anyone could buy them. I mean, it could be bought by Walmart. It could be bought by Amazon. It could be, it's a buyout candidate. They just have a lot of stores, the only negative, but yeah, I hear you. They, you know, the stores, they, they now have retail, whereas they could have been probably, they started out only uh, virtual, if you remember, or not, you know, just yes. web-based. Mm, interesting. Anybody else? Anything else? No, I just like that. So buyout candidate is the thesis. And it's a buy. 70% uh, off or 80% off is high. And uh, we're going to add that on it. And then we'll put Meta Platforms, Facebook from last week, you put on there. And uh, that's going to be about a wrap here. Okay. After the show, give me a call. Will do. All right. Let's uh, let's do the, the fine ending. Here comes the music. Okay, John? Got it. You've been listening in on a conversation with John C. Dvorak and Andrew Horowitz. Hope to be with you again soon. Bye-bye. Now, I'm not broke, but badly bent. I'm not down to my last cent, because I got a dollar, but it's my last dollar bill. <laughs> yes, sir. In my pockets, there's a dent. All my dough is nearly spent, but I got a dollar, and it's my last dollar bill. Oh, I'd love just one more buck fortune left me by chance. Now, here's a hint. I feel like a man. You can hardly tell by a glance. I don't care. No millionaire can give me the ice stack. Because I got a dollar. My last dollar bill. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training.